I'm Josh Bullers, my wife, Tina. Hi. We have two children. Jaden is 10 months old and Lily is seven. So we started coming to Vertical Church. We had actually visited here a couple of times. My aunt and uncle come here and have for, for I think almost since, I think since the start, or yeah. very, very close to when Vertical opened their doors. So when I was 12 years old, um, my mother and my father pulled me into, me and my sister, um, into the living room and sat us down, said they had something to talk to us about. Um, and they told us they were getting a divorce. I was completely devastated. I did not see this coming. Um, apparently they were always fighting uh, behind closed doors. And I, I didn't know I was 12 years old at the time had no idea. Um, I was caught in my own little world. Um, but this completely rocked me. So that night, uh, Dad left. He, he just left. And I was there with my mom and my sister, and life went on as, as normal for them. Uh, for me, not so much. Uh, I, I felt like I didn't have any guidance, any direction. My, my entire world had just crumbled. Within, I would say, a month of that happening, my mother started to drink. Um, I'd never seen her drink before, never seen her smoke before, never heard her cuss before. Um, just a completely different person. She was a completely different person. I had no idea who she was. I would call her at work. Sometimes she would be there, sometimes she wouldn't. She'd tell me she was coming home when she got out of work and she would not show up. Sometimes days on end, I, I wouldn't know where she was at. Uh, and that, that hurt, I, I was confused, I was hurt, I was broken. And I didn't know what to do. I had no idea what to do. I. I was lost. I, I had no clue how to be the man of the house at 12 and a half years old. Um, about the time I was 13, I started hanging out with a different crowd of people. I had a lot of time on my hands that wasn't supervised. These people were drinking and they were smoking pot and they were going to parties and I thought that that was cool. I, I, you know, I, I saw my mom drinking. I saw the the party lifestyle, and I thought that that's what it meant to be popular, or cool. That was that was the way to go, and so that's what I started to do. Um, I started drinking when I was 13, very occasionally. I didn't like the way it made me feel but uh, I started smoking pot and I fell in love, fell in love. My entire life changed at that point. I, it was completely centered on what I needed to do to um, make sure that I had pot at all times. Um, so in order to do that at 13 years old, I, you know, I don't have a job. I. I have no uh, means of income. Uh, 
I figured it, the best way to to make sure I had food in the house and weed to smoke was to start selling it. So that's what I did. Um, it was very small scale at first. Um, just, just a very small amount at first, but that grew very quickly. Uh, I realized there was a lot of people who like smoking pot and, uh, and uh, I was able to make quite a bit of money that way. Um, that's sadly how some of the bills got paid at the house and how me and my sister were able to eat for a few years. Um, I grew up going to church every Sunday. I don't think we missed any Sundays ever. But it's hard to explain the kind of household that I grew up in because there was like the family that maybe everyone thought we were versus the family that we actually were at home. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, which I loved. I got to spend a lot of time with her, which was really nice. And my dad um, was actually a drug dealer. Um, so everything from a very young age, like it's even hard for me to look back and know for sure what the truth is about certain things because everything was always very much so that it's okay to lie and it's okay to tell, you know, church people one thing and it's okay to tell family another thing and this group of friends another thing and this other part of the family something else. Um, so it's hard to know what the actual 100% truth was. But my dad was a drug dealer, um, not just like a little drug dealer, a drug dealer with Mexican cartels. It was the kind of life where we would, you know, me and my mom would be in the car going to church and we'd be waiting for my dad while he was inside doing his lines of coke before we could go to church every Sunday. And we would get to church and no one knew that at church everything was fine. We were the normal family. We would put on our mask and pretend like everything was okay and like everything was great when it really wasn't. You know, when I look back on it, I still have this perception of that I had a good childhood because, you know, I had lots of friends and I spent afternoons riding bikes and jumping on trampolines and having the normal, you know, 80s, 90s childhood that you imagine. But there was just so much deception and so much confusion to know what was right and what was wrong. When I was 10, my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. It's hard to say how I felt about it because still, like, with those masks, like, when you lie about everything, when you don't know exactly what the truth is, it's hard to know what your feelings about something even are. Because I would go to church and say, yeah, I feel fine, because she'll go to heaven, or yeah, I feel fine. She was sick for about two years and died when I was 12. And, um, Um, so shortly after she died, like I would say my mom was the person in the family that held everything together for me. So my dad would be gone in Mexico for months at a time, coming back and forth and whatnot. And she was the person who kept a routine, um, a semblance of normalcy going for me. And I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't know how to keep a routine for myself or how to cook or like how often to just do normal everyday things. And, um, you know, my dad would be gone a lot. So really when I was about 
like 13, starting 13, 14, I really was just with my friends. I would have friends over. I would be gone for days at a time. I mean, I just did whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. Um, so I started drinking and smoking pot and um, really doing anything I could get my hands on because it made me feel better. So a close friend of mine one day convinced me that I should try to take ecstasy, that that's, that was the most amazing drug that was out there and, and that uh, I should try it. And I told myself, you know, I, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm, that's not a road that I want to go down. Um, and I uh, can't remember what happened that day, but something had happened and I decided to make that choice and, and, and to try it. I, I remember thinking when I started to feel the way that I felt from the drug, I started thinking this, this is exactly what I've been missing. This, this feeling of this, this happiness, this, this joy that I'm getting from this substance. I never, I, I actually remember saying, I always want to feel exactly like this. I don't ever want this feeling to go away. I found new suppliers and I found new people to sell drugs to and I kind of took a step to the next level. <clears throat> um, I wasn't just, you know, I wasn't just selling a, you know, a couple of pills to this person and a couple of pills to this person. It was was kind of by the hundreds and, and thousands at this point and uh, and I enjoyed it I, I loved that lifestyle that fast lifestyle but what I didn't realize was through having all of those drugs on hand at all times and using them whenever I wanted to with no regard as to what would happen or what I was doing to my body or if I was dependent on it or not. Um, I didn't realize that I was becoming an addict. I, I did not know that. I thought I was having fun. I thought I was making money and I thought I was supporting myself. We had found the leftovers of my mom's pain medication and my friend had a friend who um, like knew that you could inject these pills and it would make you, you know, feel really good. And so shortly after that, we started doing that. And then throughout the years, my addiction just got worse and worse and worse. That just traveled with me right into my teenage years. No matter what I would do, no matter um, how bad things became, I was very good at putting on my stolen makeup. Um, you know, putting on my nice clothes and really having the perception that everything was okay to everyone. Um, you know, no one would know that I was addicted to hard drugs. No one knew what was going on with my life. I was very good at keeping, keeping everyone out and the truth hidden. All throughout my teenage years, my dad was kind of in my life, out of my life, depending upon how he was doing or not doing, and he had gotten clean and sober, and uh, 
was able to more readily find out about how bad my addiction had gotten. And so um, what kind of spurred me at that time to get my act together is he ended up um, calling the police and they came and um, I had gotten, I was 19 and so I was able to get sentenced differently, but it was a felony of possession of heroin. Um, and so I went to just a 21 day rehab and detoxed, got clean, um, came home, went to Narcotics Anonymous and I would, I got somewhat better, but not good. I didn't know God. I still lived with a lot of shame. I still, um, lied all the time, lied constantly, um, lived multiple different lives, um, really, um, like enjoyed being sneaky and enjoyed sin sinful behavior, I guess is what you would call it. So I kind of had two different lives going. Um, I was living this fast drug abusing, drug running lifestyle, partying all the time, living out of hotels. In 2001, I, uh, I went to get, make a delivery to somebody and got surrounded by the police. Um, I was arrested. Um, I was dating this girl that, uh, that I met in high school and uh, the relationship was getting somewhat serious. Um, so the night that I got arrested, um, I found out that she was pregnant. They handcuff me, they take me away, and I vow that, you know, this is it. I've got a child coming, I'm all done with that lifestyle. When I got out of jail, I, I got a job right away, actually with my ex-wife's aunt and uncle. Uh, started working at their flooring store. Things were going good for maybe three months, and uh, I started to use again. Life was hectic. I had a, a baby crying all the time. I, I didn't even know how to take care of a baby. Um, I, I had to work. Like, what? I had to work. I, I didn't even really know what, what, is, what is that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, ended up um, violating probation. The judge sent me to Team Challenge. He said, you're getting your life together. So I sat in jail for about three months and Teen Challenge just comes to pick me up one day, which I still really <laughs> didn't know what Teen Challenge was. I had, I had no idea. I walk into the office, they give me this huge plate of food. I'm like, wow, this place is awesome. Like, uh, everybody's like, hey brother, love you brother. I'm like, no idea what's going on here, right? Woke up in the morning, bright and early. Uh, we go down to chapel and I see all these people just praising God. And I'm like, what is going on? Because I have never had a relationship with God. And I would say the first two weeks, I knew exactly who God was. Um, I, I knew what he had done for me. And I, I wanted what he had to offer. Um, at that point, I wanted it because I wanted my life back. I did not complete the Teen Challenge program. The day that I left, 
I was drinking and smoking cigarettes. I was under, I was under the impression that I was still going to be able to do, to do good and serve God, but still use occasionally. I don't know why I thought that, but I was under that impression. Year and a half, two years, um, I did well. I, I kept a job. Um, I supported my family, and uh, I was involved in church, but I was still using occasionally. One day that occasionally turned into every day. I have no idea how it happened. At this point, my ex-wife had basically had enough. Um, she, she was fed up. We didn't have a strong relationship. She didn't really believe in God. Um, I ended up leaving and uh, just basically going on a bender. I can't tell you exactly how long it was, but it was somewhere right around three months that I was using and not sleeping and getting chased by the police. And finally, they caught up with me. Finally, they caught up with me. I was arrested. I had committed a slew of crimes um, in that three months. The judge tells me, Mr. Bullers, you're all done. Um, we're, we're, we're done dealing with um, you going out and using and then uh, getting clean and going out and using and getting clean. Maybe this will teach you a lesson. And he sentenced me to 23 to 270 months and my jaw dropped. That was a, an extremely scary moment. I thought my children won't know who I am. I don't know when I'm ever getting out of here. I was lost, I was scared, and I was broken. Um, uh, it was about a year and a half that I had been in, and I called my dad one day. And uh, our relationship had been strained since the divorce. Um, he was just kind of not around. Um, he would show up here and there, and then he would be gone again, and then he would show up here and there, and he'd be gone again. So I called him one day, just kind of out of the blue. I maybe talked to him three or four times in that year and a half. I think it was his birthday. I think it was Halloween. It was his birthday. And I called him, and he told me that he had, um, that he had, uh, that he had cancer. stomach. Um, I've got stage three lymphoma. And uh, I remember after that phone call, going back to my room and uh, 
basically yelling at God, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? That it just turned into a, a very long conversation that I had with God. And that was the moment that I re-surrendered my life. So six months later, I, I get out of prison, I move in with my mother, and uh, tell myself I'm not going back this time, I'm not going to start using again, I'm, I'm all done, um, I'm praying hard about it, asking God to give me the strength, and I found myself going to Narcotics Anonymous meetings, um, and that's why I ran into this lady. <laughs> um, trying to move forward in life. I found a job, um, I had a steady job, I did well at, started hanging out with a group of friends that uh, that Tina hung out with and uh, asked her out on a date and we started dating. And So I fell in love with Josh very quickly. Um, we got engaged very soon and we were married, I think 11 and a half months after we met. Um, very quick, but we both knew that we wanted to be married. Um, and at this time, Josh and I, you know, we both had the same goals, the same heart's desires. Looking back on it now, I think that God definitely placed the same heart's desires in both of us to just make it that, you know, that we knew, right. that we knew I could finally be truthful. I don't think I'd ever been honest or ever been able to, like, take off that mask in front of anyone before to, like really truly deep down like nitty gritty know who I am so it's I think just a really beautiful time in both of our lives that we both felt very full of hope and very excited for our future and I think both really to the best of our abilities we're trying to live for God so Tina was in nursing school and I was going to college I was also working Tina was also working and uh, I had a previous back injury was acting up really bad. Um, uh, my, I would be walking and my legs would get up, give out on me. Um, I would just lose all feeling in my legs. I ended up going to the emergency room one night and they said, you have to have surgery right now. Yeah, right now. And I said, oh, all right. So they wheeled me into the operating room and uh, I had a spinal fusion done on my back and uh, Tina was pregnant with Lily. And I'm thinking to myself, what are we gonna do? I have no idea what, what we're gonna do. I ended up in a hospital bed after that, in my living room for about a month. Um, wasn't able to walk, lots of physical therapy. The doctors had told me that I would always be on pain medication. I would be on disability for the rest of my life. And about a year into this, I was on the strongest medication that they had and the highest dose that they would give me. Um, and it wasn't doing the trick. It was not doing what I thought it needed to do. At this point, I am abusing the medication. I think it's okay because I'm using it to be able to function enough to at least spend time with my family. Yeah. 
and we're going to appoint appointments at this time and specialists are saying we can't believe you can walk how can you walk i mean they're they're telling us you should be in a lot of pain and you were in a lot of pain and right. we felt really hopeless yeah, yeah. extremely hopeless yeah so we did go see a specialist at muskegon and uh he basically told me that the first surgery that i had the the hardware that was in my back was in a location that could paralyze me um, and that we needed to do another surgery immediately. We go through that whole process again and the, I, I basically have the same result. Um, still in a massive amount of pain. I'm, uh, I'm still taking a massive amount of pain medication and it's not it's it's not doing the trick for me. It's not fulfilling what I thought that that medication should do for me, what the doctor told me that it would do for me. So just with my background, I knew what would do that for me. And that was heroin. I, I knew that that would do the trick for me. That, that was what was going to fix my problem is what I thought. So behind Tina's back, um, she really, at this point, doesn't even know I'm abusing the pain medication. Um, she just thinks that um, I'm in a lot of pain and I need it. I did that for about three, three years before Tina found out. And uh, I thought she was going to lose her mind. Like, the devil just was trying so hard to completely ruin us and completely just own us because, you know, right at the wrong time, um, I ended up having to have an emergency gallbladder surgery shortly after finding out that Josh had been using. And um, so I ended up with a temperature of 105 and I have this gallbladder surgery and I and then um my shoulder is dislocating and all of these perfect storm events of like I start taking pain medicine and then he's using and I have this history of injecting drugs and it was just inevitable I think that I started too and I remember after I started using us sitting in bed, one of the only things we had left, possessions we had left, because we had sold everything. I mean, we had sold my wedding rings, and we had owned a camper that we sold. sold. And I mean, we had legitimately nothing vehicles. left to our names. Vehicles. Everything. Everything that we owned. And sitting in bed with you and being like, they're, they're going to take Lily away from us. Like, we won't never get her back what are we going to do but your denial like as a person as a human is so strong and the sin the pull of the sin the pull of the drugs is so strong that even though I was certain that day I knew that I knew that nothing good was going to come out of this we went and got more yeah. you know it's just so hard to explain but it's the pull is so strong I remember Tina's father came over to the house with my mom and my sister and my cousin. And I knew right then that they knew. They knew that we were using. They knew that we were lying. And this is really bad. Um, 
so they showed up at the house. I opened the door, picked up Lily, walked right past them, and got in the car and told Tina, if you're coming with, get in, and we left. They weren't able to find us for a couple of weeks. Um, Tina's father called CPS. Tina um, went to her dad's house with Lily and she said she would turn herself into a treatment program, which she did. And uh, I said, I'll, I'll go get clean, but I had not made my mind up that I wanted to quit yet. Um, I, after that 33 days, I was still extremely sick. I'm living at the city mission. I'm living on the streets. I'm living at a friend's house. I'm bouncing all over the place just using all day, every day. However, whatever way I can figure that out, I'm figuring it out. That's that's what my life was. I'm stealing from stores. I'm stealing from people. I'm doing anything I possibly can to use. I remember thinking to myself, how did this happen? Like, like how? did I get here with a needle hanging out of my arm? So in order for me to get Lily back, I was told that I needed to go to a program. And so I ended up going to Teen Challenge because Teen Challenge is a Christian life skills program that was very different than anything I had ever seen in my entire life growing up in a um, traditional reformed church and seeing things I had never witnessed in my entire life. I was almost shocked. I didn't really even know what to think. I didn't quite know if it was even real, but I thought these people can't just be making it up and I had to be there anyways. And so I started just to slowly participate and very quickly God started doing a work in me I had so much peace. I had peace. Like I had never experienced that kind of peace my entire life because I didn't know what story would be concocted when I was a child and I had bags packed and then I didn't know who was going to die next when my mom was sick. I didn't know if I would have food or if my dad would be home. I never knew there was that kind of peace available and I never knew that God was the one who could give it in love and just this gentle like not pushy not overbearing just this love like you can't explain the love of like I don't know if I'll ever get my daughter back I haven't talked to my husband in weeks he might be dead on the streets but I know that I know that I know I'm okay because the love of God has me like, like, no matter what, I'm okay because God completely, he has me, he has this, he has my daughter, he has my husband. That, the, so the entire time after I went to the rehab, I, I did not want to use anymore. I, I didn't want to use. That was not what I wanted. I felt like I had to do it. Um, I felt like there was going to be no end to the sickness. I felt like I would never be able to, uh, to lead a productive, happy, healthy life. I remember praying to God. I remember praying and praying and praying, please just take this from me. 
please just take this from me. I don't want to use any more crying and begging and pleading and praying and screaming, anything that I could think of to just please God, please take this from me. And then that, that didn't happen. He, he did not take it from me, um, but I wasn't willingly giving it to him either. Remember after about six months of just begging daily, I started to get angry. Um, I was angry about it. I was, I was upset. I couldn't believe that he would let me go through this. I actually started believing, I truly believed that he had put me here on this earth to do exactly what I was doing. It was a dark, horrible time in my life. I decide one day I'm going to check myself into rehab, uh, basically to get people off of my back, my family off of my back. I, I'm using the entire time I'm at the rehab. I'm in my room using yeah. every day. I end up getting caught. I get kicked out of the rehab. I have nowhere to go. My mom won't allow me back. The city mission won't allow me back. I, it's cold out. I've got nowhere to go. And uh, this girl, she had just graduated. She said I could come live with her. We started to have more than a friendship. Tina found out. And uh, no longer wanted me to visit. Um, ended up going to the Muskegon County Jail for a year. And I'm still, at this point, hopeless. I'm super sick. Uh, one day they called me out of my cell and they handed me divorce papers. I said, well, kind kind of knew those were coming. Go to my sentencing day. And I walk into the courtroom and I sit down and I look behind me and there's my wife. <laughs> um, I, I, I wasn't sure why she was there. I didn't talk to her. She was sitting next to my mom. We, so we, we started talking and we both were still very in love with each other. Um, we were not in love with the, the choices that each other made. I went back to my cell and I, I made the choice to surrender my life to God again for the third time now. Um, I made the choice to, to surrender my life to God and turn away from any and everything that I, um, that I had done before. And I felt like a million pounds was lifted off of me. It was like, it was almost like that was the, that was a gift that God gave me. When, so when I surrendered my life, it was like he knew exactly what I needed in that moment to be able to succeed. Um, in my relationship with him, just in life. I had no idea how to let go of that stuff on my own. It, it was almost like he just took it from me. Um, and I remember just, I remember sitting in there and just crying like, wow, he, like, he didn't create me to do those things. Like, like that's not my purpose in life. Like. Like, thank you, but that is not my purpose. 
saw a, a graduate team challenge. Um, and somewhere along that, like I slowly, I started losing faith because like, yes, I believe God had spoken to me that Josh was going to get better, but it wasn't on my timeline. And so God wasn't doing it on my timeline. I didn't know if it was going to happen. I wasn't just patient. And so I find out, found out all of these things that were happening about the other relationship. And I was like, okay, that's it. My whole family wants me to divorce Josh. I need support from my family. We're just going to get divorced. Um, so I got a lawyer and went to divorce and I never, ever, ever had any kind of peace about it, no matter what. I just started praying about it some more and praying about it and praying about it and praying about it. And God clearly spoke to my heart that Josh, like once again, that his, prom his promises were true and that the word I had gotten about Josh was going to stand true and that he was, he was better and to, that I needed to wait for God's timing and not for my timing. But just over and over, like it was just proven to me and shown to me, like we cannot follow what the world says is right. Like we have to follow what God says is right and what God speaks to us because he knows better. He has a better plan and he did. Um, but that doesn't mean that it was easy to walk through and that doesn't mean that it felt good or that it was always just easy. There was a lot of pain and a lot of heartache and um, a lot of questioning myself, even though I knew what God was telling me. I mean, once we had made the choice that nope, we're we're gonna we're gonna work this out. Yeah. We are gonna work this out. Um, and and this time, uh, it, it's gonna be with God in the center of it. Yeah. You know, and and not to say that we didn't start our relationship that way, but we didn't understand how to help have a a healthy relationship yeah. with God. Yeah. When we started coming to Vertical, we said... We made a choice. We, we, we yes. absolutely are getting involved. No yes. matter what, we are getting involved yes. in this church. We want people to notice if we're not here on Sunday, and we want people to notice if something looks different with us, absolutely. and we want to be accountable, and we want to make a family here. We were intentional about making ourselves known to have accountability, and I think that was something very big and very different that we did. Absolutely. Our immediate family is seeing a change that they have never seen before. They're yeah. seeing a Tina they've never seen before. They're seeing a Josh that they've never seen yeah. before, and they're seeing a marriage that they've never seen before. Yeah. I've got a job, Tina's got a job, we're doing well, you know, I'm getting promotions, I'm moving up, and. Tina's dad still has Lily uh, at this point and, and has guardianship and trust takes time. You know, it, it takes time to build trust. And so over months and weeks and days, and uh, you know, he begins to build that trust and uh, starts to let us have Lily more. And um, he was feeling confident. We were feeling confident. And uh, she came over for Christmas break and I remember when uh, he dropped her off, he said to her, um, how would you like to never come back to, to Papa's house? Yeah. How would you like to just stay? Jumping up and down, yeah. just so extremely happy. Of course we were too, and uh, we are so blessed just to have that girl. A, a big part of the reason why we've been able to, why God has 
been working so mightily in our life and we're able to see it and we're able to kind of like before when we were when we tried and we had the best of intentions we didn't have any kind of um guidance or any kind of mentorship or leadership we were just out on our own these two broken people trying to follow god which is awesome and our hearts were in the right spot but it but but god puts god will put people in your life to show you um and to lead you and guide you and direct you and we prayed for that in our lives to have mentors and people that would do that for us since we didn't have that um i think that's a big reason why we continue to be successful is we've had that at vertical god has opened those doors for us instead of us just kind of like searching yeah we didn't have to search. No, no, they, no. It's like the group of people just found yeah. us yep. and said, let me help you. Yeah. You know, um, and made us feel comfortable to open up and, and talk about the things that we needed help with. Mm-hmm. You know, we were still working on our marriage. Yeah. We were absolutely still working yeah. on our marriage. Yep. And uh, um, I've got a lot of guidance and a lot of direction and a lot of, yeah. um, a lot of wisdom from the people here that uh, that I now call friend you know they're yes. they're they're yep. definitely my best friends mm-hmm. and uh, it feels good to it feels good to finally be home yeah, yeah. it does it yeah. does mm-hmm.